You're now listening to The Specific Brown Show. Specifically music. Music. Specifically real. Real. Hosted by DJ SB. Your favorite MC. This is where it's at. Hello and welcome once again to the SB Podcast. In today's episode, episode six of series two, I interviewed Marwan. Marwan is a music producer and a beat maker and he works, he's worked in the industry for a long time. He also works at ACM as in an advisory capacity. And we, so I sit down with Marwan and we talk about everything and everything music related. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Specific Brand Podcast. This is episode six and I'm joined today by Marwan from ACM. Marwan, how's it going, man? Yeah, good, thank you. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, man. Um, you, are you still at ACM at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm doing good for them still. Yeah, I'm mentoring and um, just doing little bits here and there. Cool. Um, for the listeners who may not know who you are, would you like to like just do a brief description of who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, well, outside of ACM, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a producer songwriter. Um, I've been in it for a long, long time now. Um, yeah, multi platinum. Worked with loads of different artists, like ranging from uh, black pop to to indie rock to, to straight pop, uh, hip hop, sorry, and um, R and B. So I've worked with people like Jesse J, um, Ed Henderson. Uh, who are Sugar Babes, then Sneakbone, Mayno, Joel Ortiz, uh, Professor Green, Chip, Rich Ritu, just a bunch, just a bunch of different people, really. That's epic, man. That's like a serious bucket list device there. Um, like, how did you come about to like working with these artists? Was it like for a label or was it like for a manager? Or was it like, did you have, did you have multiple avenues where you were able to uh, engage with these artists? Um, different, like each one was, well not each one, but majority of them were different, different situations. So the, like say with, like working with Jesse um, and Sugar Bays, that was through like management, like a management team. And then actually even like Mayno and jo- Joel Ortiz, that was through another management team. That was like, because first did, um, our first management team was in uh, Atlanta with a guy called Blue Williams, who who was managing Outkast, Nas, um, who else did he have? Big Sean at the time, Mary J Blige and people like that. So yeah, he was like a big, big manager at the time. And then um, he started managing Mayno uh, later down the line when we weren't even with him anymore. But he had some of our tracks and we gave it to Mayno. And um, yeah, so Mayno ended up putting out a song uh, what was it called? I think it's called Brooklyn. I can't, I can't even remember the song, but, but um, yeah, so he ended up just putting that song out. And that was, that's like, again, that's through management, but like way down the line, that old, old management. And then Professor Green, um, that came about by him hitting up my uh, production partner at the time on Facebook. Because we were out in Atlanta, so we, he, Professor Green had seen us out there working with a bunch of people. Like, we was in the studio Ludacris and stuff like that. So he had seen that and obviously he was like, oh, okay, I want to work with these guys. So um, he he hit him up on Facebook and then we ended up sending him a track that was initially, we actually originally made for um, 
the Saturdays. I don't know if you know who the Saturdays are. Yeah, I do, yeah. And um, it wasn't right for them, obviously. Like, it, I'm glad it would go to them, to be honest, because then it came out as his first single, um, I Need You Tonight, um, which did really well, actually. We were at number three in the chart, sold like over 250,000, I think, something like that. Um, so that, that happened like, through social media. You see what I'm saying? So like, some of it's gone through management, some of it's gone through social media, some of it's gone through like our own um, connects, basically. So it's all, this, it's all different. I don't think there's like a set way of how things happened. It was just like whatever happened, happened kind of thing. Cool. Um, for, for all these artists that you work with or like provided like production for and stuff, like did you actually meet any of them in person or was it all just like you do it at home in your studio and then you send off the beat to your manager and then they um, give them? All of, all of them, except for Maynard. Yeah, all of them except for Maynard. So I literally in the studio with them like recording and everything. Okay. Um, did you know working with all these different artists, they're like not just these artists, but all the artists you work with, whether, you know, they're, they're top chart hip hits or not like they, if they're even working with up and coming artists do you notice that there's similarities in the way the artists work in the studio while you're in the studio with them or is there a wide variety of like styles of how to approach the work i think everyone um is different so you kind of like you you have to approach them differently you can't really think like they're gonna act this way because as a producer it's like your job to make them feel comfortable in the studio and get the best out of them so some of them um, I, what I have noticed though, like, and I say this a lot, it's like the, the lower level artists are the ones that are harder to work with just because for some reason they've got a bigger ego and it's like, it's weird, it's so weird to me, but like, it is what it is. Um, like, whereas like, I'm in the studio with like big artists and they're taking direction and they're, they're like, on a way more successful level than I am, but they're still taking direction from me because they know that they've been there for a reason. Like they're in, regardless of success, it's like you respect someone's work, you know what I mean? So it's like they're in there to to take direction from you, otherwise they wouldn't bother being in there with you. So going back to what you asked, originally, it's like the, there, there aren't really similarities. Like I do, the only similarity that I find is that the ones that are really on top of their game, other ones that work really hard. That's that's the only similarity that I can say for definite. Yeah. Um, have you worked, have you have you had any uh, recent tracks that have done pretty well that like maybe like the listeners haven't heard of like like artists um, that you're working with who are like people to watch who are like up and coming artists that you think might do well. I mean, I'm working. I've got my own production company with my sister, so. Um, our own artists at the moment. We've got um, a couple, we've got Alanya, we've got a girl, Sammy, he actually used to go to ATM. Um, they're both like incredible, like incredible, incredible artists. And then we've got like, Alanya's got a song coming out, well, it'll be out by the time this podcast out, um, uh, called Find My Peace. Um, it was, we've, got, we've got producers on our, on our roster, we've got uh, like a live band as well, like who are touring with uh, Sam Tompkins at the moment, um, who's signed to Ireland. He's a great talent. Um, 
So I think what to watch out for all of them. I mean, I've, I've the last the last one I put out I think was about a month ago with uh, Don Strapsy, who's who's like a very well respected rapper in the UK. Um, he's he's been around for years. Like he's just um, he's a great talent. Uh, got another one coming out I think next month. Um, yeah, I'm working with just a bunch of different people, man. There's a, there's a guy called Bad Habit guys. Um, I think he's great. He's a great talent. He has, I mean, he's like he's brand new into the to the whole thing, so he hasn't he hasn't popped off or anything. But I think he's great. Yeah, I mean, I just work with a bunch of different people right now. I'm not really. The thing is now for me, it's more about um, uh, ownership more so. So it's like my I I work mainly with my own artists. And that's who I really concentrate on because it's like I want to be able to take them to another level instead of me trying to work with. Chase, it's a thing called chasing placements as a as a producer. It's like it's long, man. Unless you've got like the right the right people around you, it's hard to to get on certain projects. Yeah, it's great. I mean, if it happens, it happens. I'm not really chasing it. Anymore. Okay, um, you mentioned you've got your own like label. Have you, is it a label? Is it is it a yeah, production company? Production company. Cool. Um, how many people work in your production company, and like, um, how did you come about to like recruiting them? Like, were they already people you knew professionally or personally, and then you're like, oh, cool, I've got this thing I want to do. Do you want to join in, or did you have to like kind of like go recruiting for people to join you? Um, is it? Are you talking about like the um, from like the not the admin? What's that set? Not, not the creative side, the um, the business side. Is that what you mean? Well, like, just, yeah, everything and anything, really. Like, did you oh, find there were some people? Yeah. Um, well, my sister initially started out the company. As a, it was a management company at the start. So she was managing um, the band, the, the live band that we have. And then um, she came across an artist, Alania, who I think he was through Instagram and all that again. Um, and she said, oh, can you do a session with her for me as a producer? So I went in and just produced some stuff for her. And, that, and then it turned into a thing where I was just doing all of the landing stuff. So like, I produced all of it. And I thought, why don't we just change the management company to a production company where um, we now own like the masters and then we split it with the artists and everything like that. And it was like, that's how that came about with that. And then um, we've had different like, like say staff, like we've had different people coming on board and that is um but it's more so like when as and when we need it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like if there's loads of things going on, then we'll have someone else come in and help with certain things that we need, like marketing and certain things like that. So really it's just me and my sister. Um we've got other people that we work with regularly. I wouldn't say they're like on our book or anything like that because it's like we hire when we need to, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, right now, at this very moment in time, it's just me and my sister. We've had other people like that were like working with us all the time. Um, they've gone and started their own thing as well. So, um, but we still work like closely. Okay. And then, what was the other people you asked? You asked about how the artists and everything, right? So, um, it was like your production company when you decided you wanted to like hey let's do a production company with your sister like when yeah. you joined your sister um did you find that it was like 
you're learning on the fly as to you need these roles or through your previous experience in the industry, you're like, okay, we need this A, B, C, and D. So we need to go and get these people to fill these positions to help us work as yeah. a production company. Um, I think it's just from previous experience, to be honest. Like, obviously there's new, but there's new ways of doing things every day. So it's like, I'm not big on social media. I don't really mess with it like that. But um, I feel because, but I know people that do. So it's like, and I know that's the thing that you need to do nowadays, social. So um, I think that all the strategies are very similar. You just have to um, alter them to certain situations. So like when I'm saying like the whole social media thing, it's still, it's still marketing. Like I understand marketing. So it's like, but now you have to do it through a different platform. Instead of like pitching to radio all the time. Like you still pitch to radio, but it's not as important as it used to be. So you pitch more to playlists, like on Spotify playlists, Apple playlists and things like that. So you just change the, you change the, the direction essentially. It's the same job, but you're changing direction. So I from previous experience, I know what is needed. And then I know who I can call on to do it. Yeah. Okay. It's all every day though. Like you were saying, is it a thing? Like you learn every day. Like there's new things that pop up every day. So I feel like you have to learn every day. Like regardless of what you're doing in life, you should be learning every day. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's experience, but it's also like, Learning on the fly, like you say. Yeah. Okay, let's take it way back. Um, when did you first realise that, like, you love music and, like, this is what you want to do for the rest of your life, like, as a career? Like, was it pretty early on, like, when you were at school or were yeah. you kind of, like, late into it? Not as early, early. Like, I mean, I... Um, I I've always loved music from being... Like, when I was a young, young kid, like, music was always played in my house. It was one of the, it's like the typical story that everybody says to me, but it's true. It's like parents play music in our house and you just love it. You listen to music all day. Like that was, that was my life growing up. And um, I started playing guitar when I was, I can't remember. I remember like getting my first guitar. I remember the guitar as well. I remember the actual first guitar I got. And it's like a, Brown acoustic encore guitar or some shit. And um, but anyway, I think I was eight, maybe. Wow. Eight. Yeah, when I picked it up and started playing it, I was terrible, obviously. I'm still not great, but um, that's me getting all day. Um, and then I just started really getting into guitar and like playing that every day and wanting to be like a rock star and all of that. And then I started um, DJing when I was about 13, maybe. I remember going to my friend's house and his brother had a pair of Technics and he was like, back then, to have a pair of Technics was like, it was crazy because it's so expensive. Like they were, they, they still are expensive now, obviously, but I mean, when you were young, young, like a pair of Technics would have, I think back then they were like 800 pounds. It's like wow. trying to get 800 pounds when you were young was crazy. Like that's, that's a mean feat, like to be able to get that. So, um, <laughs> I remember my friend's brother having them and he was just letting us use them. Like, luckily, he was just, and he was teaching me how to DJ and that. So, I just 
started DJing and I just loved it, ended up loving it. I remember convincing my mum to, to get me some decks. They were my technique, some sound apps or something, they were terrible, but um, <laughs> I was grateful. Uh, I remember getting them my first set of decks and then um, I used to just go record shopping. Like anytime I, ha- I made money somehow or got money from somewhere, I just went and spent it on records. That's all I cared about. And I remember saving up enough and, and buying a pair of Technics. And um, I just always wanted to be like a big DJ. That was my that was my goal, to be a DJ. Um, but then it's like, you start listening. It's weird, it's, it's weird. I actually, I remember the day where I listened to a record, a drum and bass record called Warhead. Um, was it Warhead? I think that's what it's called. I remember the sleeve, it was brown. Um, anyway, it was like, I remember listening to it and hearing all the different elements, like separately. And I was like, oh, that's how they made it. So you're hearing all the different bits. Like as a producer, like I can't listen to music normally anymore. Like I listen to every single thing individually. So it's like, I'll listen to the snare by itself. I'll listen to the kick. I'll listen to the one of the melodies and everything. So it's like, it's annoying to hear music that way, but it's, that's how it is now for me. But I mean, that- I No turning back. <laughs> yeah, you can't turn back to that. It's like, I remember hearing that record, Warhead, and um, being able to break it down. I was like, oh, I want to try and make some music. So from then, I think I must have been 15 or something. And then I remember getting um, like a pirate copy of Cubase for the PC. And then, um, off someone. And then I started just making music. And I all went from then. It was like, this is my goal. Produce. This is my goal. And then I went to college. Um, but, well, barely went to college, let's say. Um, started college. And then uh, met my production partner at the time. And my whole production partner at college. And then we just started just going to my house. We were just like, we just missing college. And like, just come to my house. My mum was at work, like she didn't, she couldn't see whether I was there or nothing. And then he used to just go out of his house, come to mine instead of going to college. And then we were just making music all day, every day. And that's how, that's how, from then it was like, that was the, that's it. Like, there's no other option here. You have to me. Yeah. You're all in, yeah. The Specific Brown Show. The Specific Brown Show. The Specific Brown Show. You mentioned that 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 brown vinyl record, like, and the effect that had on you, like, um, did you have any specific genres or like artists or group growing up that you like you really like loved and were into and then maybe even follow to this day? Like if you open up your Spotify yeah. playlist. Definitely, definitely. So um I've always been into loads of different genres though, so it's not like a thing where I was just into one thing. So like I would like I played guitar, so to me the only it was weird, obviously like now I now I know like Guitars go in any type of genre. But back then, for some reason, I didn't realise it. Like, I thought guitars were just, like, rock and stuff like that. So I used to listen to 
artists like Pearl Jam, um, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, um, I can't even think who else. Like even the heavy stuff like Pantera and stuff. It's like I always I was just fascinated with the guitar. So it's like the like although I may not have really, really liked the the heavy, heavy metal stuff, but I always thought the guitarists were amazing. Cause like they're so fast, like everything they play is so quick, and I'm like, wow, like how'd you do that? So that was always like a thing for me where I was just more I listened to the guitar sections over anything else in the song. So I used to listen to a lot of rock stuff and then like rap. So I listened to like Snoop, NWA, um, Ice Cube. I was a <coughs> big fan of Ice Cube. Um, you know, House of Pain. I don't know if anyone remembers. Everyone must know one of their songs. Jump Around, like, yeah. Jump Around, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, was, I used to buy their albums. I was like, a, I even used to wear their t-shirts, everything. Like I was a big fan of them. Um, and then, Go with, this was like when I was nine, eight, nine years old. Like I'm old in it, so that that um I was I was young when that stuff came out still, but I was still around. But and then Tupac, um, I was a huge, huge fan of Tupac. Um, and then like Biggie, obviously, like you, how can you not be a fan of that guy? And then like the whole Bad Boy stuff, I used to love all of that. And I still listen to this today. Like I, all of the stuff that we mentioned, I listen to today. Like I, I have it on my playlist. Like I won't. I'm still listening to like new stuff. Obviously, I think you have to listen to new stuff as as a producer, so you know what's going on. But I listen to a lot of stuff that I grew up on. That's that's just how it is for me. Yeah, man, that's good to have like a broad palette of taste. Like I'm like that as well. I um. You, you can't yeah, I see you on your Instagram stories sometimes. I'm you like, can't. You, out, no way. <laughs> like, you can't. I, my dad says it. It's like, you know, it's sometimes like too much of a good thing. Like, you could be a hip hop fan or an R&B fan or a pop fan. But when once you've listened to the same song like a thousand times, it's time for a change. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's definitely, if you're making music, I feel you have to listen to loads of stuff. You can't just listen to one thing, because it's like you're, you've become stale. Like, you, you can tell, you can tell the greatest producers don't just listen to one type of music. Like, you can hear it. Like, the Neptune, Timberland, like, you can hear them listening to other stuff, because they bring in elements from other genres. Like, there's, there's some producers that are massive, don't get me wrong, like, they're, 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 they're great at what they do, but I don't think they're great at music. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Like, there's, I'm not gonna mention no names, but there's <laughs> loads that are like that. There is loads. And like you know they just listen to rap. Like they're not listening to nothing else. And after a while it's like nothing moves. It's like that's why that's why I feel like the state of hip hop at the moment, don't get me there's some amazing stuff coming out. There's also a lot of rubbish coming out. But it's it's not just down to the artists, it's down to the producers. Like they're not moving the needle. Whereas like, I remember like the 90s and the early 2000s, you had people like Tim Blanc and Neptunes who really moved the needle. Like they, they were in charge of what happens to the sound. They were moving the sound forward. Like Tim Blanc, like, I ain't never heard no one as good as Tim Blanc. He, he was so as innovative as Tim Blanc, ever. 
Like he's he come in and just I remember hearing some of his stuff and thinking, what the hell is this? This is crazy. Like, what was it? Like even like Jay-Z on on um what was that record? Is that your bitch? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Da la la. Da la la. That beat is just unbelievable. And like Swiss beats. Swiss Beats coming through and just changing shit. Every, like, I remember Swiss Beats. It, it was a thing that like, I remember him having eras, like different eras all the time. He come in, this was his sound. Then he changed it to this. Then he changed it to this. Then he changed it to this. And it's like, I missed that. I missed that whole thing of how producers can really move, move things forward. Do you think it's dead and gone, that era, or do you reckon it could make a comeback and it's just I people... Think, I think it can come back, definitely. Because you've got things like the B-Club, like Timberland's thing, where he's he's um, doing things. And, like, Neptune's even dropping a record the other day. Not the other day, that Brent Fry's record. Um, I, don't even, I don't even know if I said his name right, but um, I might have got his name completely wrong. I don't even think that's him. But he's, they've dropped a record that's crazy. Like Drake's featuring on it. And that record's just crazy. It's just like that old vibe again. Like that old, old vibe. Old Neptune vibe, but on an updated version, if you know what I mean. So I think it can definitely happen. And like the whole B-Club Timberland thing was quite that record he did for um, J. Cole on his new album. It's crazy. Like they, they can, it can still happen. Because I think the whole resurgence that right word, of of like the older producers is coming back in. Yeah. And then they're bringing in new the new guys as well, but new guys that are more um, uh, have more similarity to them than than the ones that are just popping at the minute. So I think the whole thing can change, and you've got different artists. Like I've seen. There's a, there's a group called Earth Gang who um, I've seen and they just, they just remind me of Outcast so much. Like there's something about them remind me of Outcast. So it's like people can still pop making different music. Like what's his name? Who's that guy, man? He's just, um... oh, it's gone. I've forgotten. <laughs> I've forgotten. I'll let you know if I find out, if I remember. Okay. Um, speaking like of the transition over like last 10, 15 years in hip hop and then where we are now, um, maybe within hip hop or outside of hip hop, um, are there any artists at the moment that like you've seen, on, you've heard on the radio or have you seen that you really dig what they're doing? Well, hip hop. Or right. any, any music. I think there's loads to be honest, man. Like there's, in hip hop, I, I love little baby stuff. Um, little Dirk, I think he's cold. There's you are. There's a guy from Jersey that I think is really he's he's got something great. He's not he's not a big or anything like cocky. He's his cocky Ka or something like cocky Carter. I don't know how you say it. Cocky, I think he's wicked. Like he's doing like a whole singing the the singing stuff like the singing rappy stuff, but he can still rap. Like rap rap, so he's like, I think he's great. I think A Boogie with a Hoodie, I love his shit. Um, I've probably forgotten a bunch of people. Obviously, you've got like the stars that are still amazing, like Kanye, Drake, and all them, but like, they're still great. Um, Jay Z, they're still making music, which is great. So, 
but like in other genres, I think there's like in R and B, you've got her. I think is incredible. Um, Kiana Lele, she's great. Um, I can't think, you know. But then there's a, like there's a girl that I really like actually, who's doing like folk stuff. Ed Sheeran signed her. I forgot her name now. I completely forgot her name, but I think she's great. Like I listened to. She did a soundtrack for some um, TV series. I think it's amazing. Like her soundtrack is it's great. So there's loads of stuff I think coming out. It's just like um, again, it's like fishing through the bullshit. Yeah. And is again, it's just like how it's it's because of how easy it is to put music out now, which is a gift and a curse. Though. Yeah. Because there's certain artists that would never I would never have heard of ever if it wasn't for like Tidal or Spotify or anything like that. I would have never seen them. Because I wouldn't have gone and bought their CD. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a, it's, it's great that you, you've got access to all of this now. Yeah man, definitely. The dynamics have changed, haven't they? I mean like it's not like they don't they they've ever stopped changing. They're constantly changing like with the advent of new technology and stuff. But yeah I totally know what you mean man. Mm. Like, before, before I had a smartphone and, like, bef- before I had, like, Spotify on my phone and that, I used to go down to HMV on, like, a wait- weekly basis, just look for all the hip-hop and rap CDs. There's something new, I'm like, yeah, right, I'll buy that. And it's like, even if it's someone I've never heard before, and then you listen through top to bottom, you're like, oh, this guy's sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I now mean, you don't have to do that. I remember buying one and thinking, fuck, this is bullshit. I've just spent... Ten pound, ten fifteen pound on a CD, and you say shit, <laughs> and you can't even take it back. And I remember once it come out of the rapper, they weren't having it. They were like, man, 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 you can't take this back. And you just stuck with some shitty CD. It's happened so many times. I know. Bring, bring it back to like production side of things. Like, would you consider yourself a producer, or do you consider yourself like an audio engineer? Both. Both. Regard- I feel, I feel, do you know what it is for me? I feel like as a producer, you should be able to do everything. Like, don't get me wrong, if you can't, you can't, and you're still a producer. I'm not one of those guys that say, oh, you're a beat maker, you're, you're this, you're that. I don't care about that. Like, if, you, you can, if you can produce some music, you're producing music. But I feel like, for me personally, I want to be able to do everything. Like, I can go in a room by myself and have a song done. I can't rap or sing. Like obviously I'd have an artist, but I'm saying I could have like a, a product that's that's there that someone else can take and make it their song. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. That's me. That's what I want. And I feel like I I've I've become that way because um, I've had to. I've had to do it. And I just feel it's the best way to do it. Like if you can, if you can do all of it yourself, I'm not saying I do do all of it myself though. I can do all of it myself. I still outsource. Like I won't master my records. Sometimes I won't mix my records. I'll have someone else mix it because it's good to have someone else. Someone else. Fresh set of ears. Yeah, the, the fresh set of ears. You need to have other people's perspective on stuff. Is that? But I, I feel if you know how to do everything, you know what the end product is going to be. Well, you know exactly how you want the end product to be, if you know what I mean. 
so yeah, there's times that, I mean, I vocal produce a lot as well now. Um, there's times where I haven't even made the music, I'm vocal producing, like I'll have an artist and I'll just arrange, do the arrangements and everything for, for them. Um, which again, it's like part of engineering as well, like you need to be able to record, you need to be able to, to edit properly and everything. So I'd definitely say like, um, I, do all, I do all of them to be honest. Would you say you have a sound like in your production? Like, is there a sound like? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I have a sound. I mean, um, it's a bit, it's a bit hard to have a sound when you're across so many different genres. But then, I think you can tell when I'm at it. I think you can tell if I've made a record or not. Because even like if I'm making a drill record, I'll try and do it so it's not just typical. I've made typical drill records that have come out, obviously, but like I want to do something that isn't what everyone else is doing. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I feel, because I still come from that old school thing. Like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like everyone else. Like look at who I'm talking about, like Timberland and Neptunes. Like they're who I looked up to, and still look up to. So why would I want to sound? And they don't try and sound like anything else. Why would I want to sound like anything else? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think I've got to sound, basically. Um, what was I going to say? Describe a typical work day for yourself. Like, do you have, do you do like eight hours a day? Or if you, if you like self, um, if, you're, if you work freelance, do you like pick and choose on a weekly basis when you're going to work and when, what days you're going to have off? Yeah, to be honest, I don't really have any days off. Um, except for like, on, I'll take a Sunday off. I will, because I've got kids, so I want to spend time with them. Right? But um, a typical work day is like, I don't think I have a typical work day. Unless I'm doing stuff at ACM, obviously, then I'm like, that's reg more, more regimented. Do you know what I mean? But like, if we're talking about, um, um, like in the studio or whatever. Sometimes I'll start at six in the evening. Sometimes I'll start at twelve in the afternoon. Like, there's no like set set thing for me at all. This I don't really because this is the thing for me. I know loads of people do it and they say this is what you should do to 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 feel life. I don't plan like that. I don't. I mean, I'm okay in life, and I don't. I don't really stick to plans because especially in music, I feel like, because it's a creative thing, you can't set out like we're in the studio from 12 to eight because you might not be finished by eight. Like I'm not leaving till it's done. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't do that. I don't be like, right, it's eight o'clock, we've got to shoot now. Yeah. And it's like I have to be somewhere, but like, I'm not saying oh, we've done, we have to be finished by this time because if we're not, we're not. Like, we have to carry on until it's done. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've been in studio sessions where I started at 12, we're working, 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 and we're about to leave. Like, like actually, I've just made something, I made something at my house that I just want to hear it in the studio. And I put it on, and they're like, and people are moving like, no, no, we've got to work on this now. And we're about to leave the studio. So we end up staying, finishing the song till like six, six in the morning the next day. And it's like, and those songs end up coming out. So it's like, I can't not do that. 
like I can't just cut off and be like, that's it, it's finished. Like when we, it's something if creativity hits, you have to, you have to pursue it. Specific Brown Show. The Specific Brown Show. The Specific Brown Show. If you're in a really long studio session based on your past experience, are there any hacks or little tidbits of advice you could give to people who like face a really long session like as how to like pace your way through it like do you have any do you have any um what's the word like idiosyncrasies like do you do you find that a cup of coffee helps or do you do you um yeah. do you take rests take, and things yeah take breaks i think you should take breaks but i think you should just be solid for like for for, uh, for hours on end like you should take breaks because if you if you're just solid for hours on end and it starts feeling like a job and no one wants a job like, well, I'm not saying no one wants a job. Either, but <laughs> yeah. No, no one wants their passion to feel like a job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, if you're just solid, 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 and you're not thinking about having fun, like, have fun in it. Like, you're meant to have fun in a session. Especially if you're with your people. Like, how can you not be having fun? Like, you're meant to be sitting there cracking jokes and shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, you, it's like, you just stop and have a conversation and then get back into it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You've got, you got to enjoy life. Mate. For real. Mm. When you're in the studio, from uh, across all the expertise you've got and all the skills you've got, what do you think, what do you find is the hardest thing to master like in a studio environment? Like, it could be a technique like in the box, like using analog equipment. It could be like a practice technique with like singers or rappers you're working with, would you, would you based on what your experience, what, what would you reckon the hardest, one of the hardest things is? Um, or it might be multiple things. It's, it's hard to say because it's like, if there's something that I know I'm not particularly great at, I'll bring someone else to do it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like piano, like I can't play piano that great. Like I can get around the keyboard. Like I can't, I wouldn't say I'd sit there and blow anyone's socks off by playing the, playing the piano. So, but I've got people around me that do. So I'll bring them in, if you know what I'm saying. That's what I think you need to be doing as a producer. You need to like, if, you, if you've got weaknesses, you bring people in who's got those strengths just to make it. Cause you just gotta care about the final product at the end of the day. Um, so maybe that then, maybe like my um, my theory side to it and like my musicianship, music, I can't even say the word, musician. Shape. <laughs> yeah, I, that is something I, I need to definitely 100% improve on if I want to to uh, be able to play every instrument. Do you know what I'm saying? There's instruments I can't play, so I'll bring someone else to play it. So I'd say that might be my weakness, if anything. And it's not a great, it's not a crazy weakness. Like I, I've been making records by myself for years, and it's like without any input, and they're fine. But I could, if I want to bring someone, I will. Yeah. Um, at the present moment, how many clients are you working with, or like, do you do you have studio slots that you out like you uh, 
you sell to pr prospective clients or is, or is there a kind of like a team of people you currently work with and you're not taking anyone on and you, you um, divide your time up between these different artists? It's like a mixture. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely people that I will dedicate my time to, but then there's other things that pop up every now and then. It's like, oh, can you work with this person? And if I like them, I'll work with them. You know what I mean? So, and I'll make, I'll make time for them. If you know what I mean? So I don't, uh, I don't really have like a, a set schedule in that sense where this day is where I'm going to work with somebody else and not people on my team. Because like, again, like I said at the start, like my team comes first. Like the people that are under my production company come first. And I, and I say, even like we've got producers and everything who need help from me. Like I'm, I'll make, I might mix some of their stuff for them or co-produce to, to take it to another level kind of thing. And like, I'll be, I'll, I'll do that, I'll prioritize that over working with someone else. Okay. Um, sorry, one sec. Record deals. Uh, have, have you ever been offered like a record deal um, by, by a major label or, like, or an indie label? Or maybe you've never been offered one or maybe it's been multiple offers. And um, what are your opinions on like deals with major labels like are they good? Are they bad? Is it can it be either? Well, I've never, not record deals, publishing deals. Yeah, I've been yeah, I've had I've been in publishing deals. Um, so, very first deal I got offered was just before the financial crisis hit America, like a big crash in the market in like two thousand eight. I think it was. So that was with Universal. That was a big deal. But then um, the market crashed. So then the deal got scrapped, basically. And then moving forward, um, signed a publishing deal with um, Peer and Convict, the guy who owned Convict before. Um, Peer's like a publishing company over here as well, which, um, well, they're, they're global actually, but. Um, we signed it over here, and that was quite a small deal. But in comparison to to what a major would offer, it was decent, but it wasn't like a big deal. But it was more so on, based on the fact that what because he was a guy, it was convict record basically. So it was sold on that basis, if you know what I'm saying. Um, it wasn't a very good deal at the end of it. Like it was. I'm not talking money, like the money was okay. I'm talking about um, what they said they were going to do. Never happened. So my views on publishing deals are that if it's not life-changing money, don't bother. I don't do it. Because at the end of the day, I look at a lot of publishing companies as just a bank. Um, and I've turned down loads of deals loads of publishing deals. Like it was a time when wasn't even really shopping for a deal. But um moved to LA and like loads of publishers were just approaching. So had all the meetings and I like offered deals from uh BMG, Warner, Dr. Luke, 
and you know, Dr. Luke is like, he's a big producer. Okay. Um, yeah, the whole drama is like, he's kind of finished now. That whole drama with Kesha, I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I remember that. So he's he's kind of I don't know what actually I haven't even seen any, anything different, but he's like with Max Martin and all that. Yeah. Um, Disney, he's been offered like he was like. I've had so many deals offered and I've just not taken them. Just based on the fact that I don't feel they were offering like life-changing money. Like at the time I had a substantial amount of money, so it was like, why why am I gonna sign away my publishing for um less money than I've got. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. So, that's why I'm saying that life-changing money matters. Like you can, because music money can, 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 can go very quickly, let's say. Like, you're not, you're not popping and then you're not making the money. So, any money you get from a publisher, you're meant to do something with that money. It's not money just to go and spend on a chain or some bullshit. Like, yeah. Money to invest. In yourself and your career. Not necessarily even into your career. Like, you can buy, go buy a house and shit oh, like that. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just do, do something sensible with it. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying life-changing. Like, I want to... I want enough money to go and do... Like something crazy, like to be able to to turn that money into into millions. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like that's why you need life changing money. But like in regards to the record deals, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would definitely sign another publishing deal. In fact, I'm in talks now about signing another pub deal um, because my shit's just all over the place. I need I need someone to to fix it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like all my admin's just a mess, so I need someone to fix that for me. So I mean, talks about signing that now. Um, but um, uh, in regards to record deals, I think things need to change because right now, like record deals are just a, a they're thieves, man. Like a lot, a lot of this stuff is just thievery. Like I don't understand how it's been going on so long like that. Like you can put it this way, it's the, like the there's deals where you get, it's like an 80-20 split, right? You getting, you're getting 20, the label's getting 80. And say, let's make it easy, you, you, make, you get 100 grand, right? A 100 grand record deal. But you then have to, to recoup that. You have to recoup, obviously, before you get paid again. So the label then are taking every penny that comes in until you recoup that money, which sounds fair. Yeah, but then there you you can only recoup from your twenty percent. So every hundred grand, if you've made a hundred grand, you're thinking you've recouped, but essentially you've given the label twenty grand. Yeah, and they get eighty for themselves, but you've only recouped twenty because of yeah. the deal that you've made. So then you have to keep you have to do it how many times? You have to make it 500 grand before you've recouped a thousand, a hundred thousand. So it's like, it's the worst loan ever. Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible loan. So it's like, why, that, that kind of, that pisses me off. 
a lot. When I hear people, I just want to get a record. I just want to get signed. It's Using like, that cool. example there, did you? Was that something where you got like professional consultation and they told you about this, or was this something you found out yourself? Or was... I think it might be my lawyer telling me about it. To me. Yeah. It was like in part in conversation. It wasn't like um, I wasn't signing a record deal. Yeah, like, publishing deals is different. Publishing you, you, is different. Like you recoup when you recoup kind of thing. But like um, record deals is just the teeth, and then they own your masters. Like they own the rights to your music. So so like when you go and get a sync somewhere, the label are taking say the sync's a hundred grand. And let seems to me split up 50-50. So it's 50% of publishing and 50% of the master. The label owns the master. And you're getting a small royalty on the master. Like the label will take 50 grand like to themselves. It's like it's bullshit. Like why I don't get me wrong, there's labels that really do something, can it? Like you need some people I feel need a label like, like a band. I feel as a band, you kind of it's more important to for a band to be on a on a label than it is for like a an artist, like a rapper or something. Only because there could be five of you and like the money. That's a lot of money to spend to create rec- to make records as a band costs a hell of a lot more money than um, a rapper. Yeah. Just basically the fact like a rapper can go and record in a hotel room in their bedroom. A band, you can't do that. A band, you still have to go to a studio to record, like drums and everything like that. You can't, unless you're programming shit, obviously, but like, most of the time you need to be in a proper studio with a band, and that costs a lot of money. So that's why I think labels might be important in that aspect. Um, obviously, their marketing team is great, but then this is this is what I always say, you can hire the same team, in it? Like, you don't, you, if you've got money, you don't need a label. Because you can hire everybody that they hire. You can literally hire the same people they hire. So it's like, why, why do you need them? Obviously, they have connects, like in, in Spotify and all that kind of stuff, which helps. But again, it's just money, man. You think you don't put some money in someone's pocket, they're going to do the same job. It's, uh, it's the same thing. Yeah. Labels are a bank with, that make, that give you the worst possible, what's it called, APR. Like payday loans, yeah. It's fucking horrible. Horrible. But there's some great labels out there. Though. Saying all of that, there's some great labels that... I'm, I'm only talking majors. I'm not talking about independence. I'm talking majors right now. Yeah. Because independence is different deals. And it's like they they do what they're doing. Isn't it? But like, I'm talking majors right now. And there's some that are really doing bits and there's some people that wouldn't be as big as they are without their label, obviously. And they're making a lot of money still, but they could be making more. Like, I get confused sometimes when a major artist like re-signs a deal to the label. Like a huge artist, like say Ed Sheeran or Drake, I'm like, why are you re-signing again? Like you're already stinking rich in it. Like you don't, Whatever money they're offering you isn't more money than you have. Like you're worth a hundred million or whatever. They're not offering you a hundred mil. So why are you signing another deal to them when you know you can put out a record, own the record, and it's gonna go top one, top it, 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 number one in the billboard charts and everything. So it's like why why are you bothering with labels? It just certain things don't make sense to me. 
they really don't. Obviously, they have their reasons. They don't want to spend their own money, which is which is another thing in business. You you're not really supposed to spend your own money. You spend other people's money. So like I get it, but I don't know, man. I I just feel until I'm in a situation like that, I can't really speak in it. But like from experience, I just think that a lot of a lot of them are just thieves. Yeah. That was really insightful, man. Appreciate you saying that. Um, looking forward, do you have a bucket fist, a bucket list of things you'd like to do going forward, whether that's profe- uh, professionally, like in the music industry, like maybe there's someone you'd like to collaborate with, whether there's like a, an artist or an audio engineer or producer? Um, I want to do Artist-wise, there's a bunch of artists on the road, definitely. Like, given the opportunity, I'll jump in. Um, like, I'd love to work with Kanye. Like, there's just, his whole creative process fascinates me. Like, there's something about him. It's just, and it's not even just because how much I respect him as an artist or a producer. It's just like, his creativity is just fascinating to me. He's wild, like he just does mad shit and he pushed his boundaries. Like I'd love to work with producers like Timberland. Because um, anyone that I feel, who I feel I can really learn from, I'd love to work with. That's even even that way I only work with, only if I'm co-producing, I'll only, I'll only work with someone who I feel I can learn from. Now, otherwise I just feel like I'm wasting my time. Right? It's, I only want to be with people who, who can better me, if you know what I mean. So artist-wise, there's loads. Like, I, I can't really name it. There's too many, man. There's too many. Yeah. Like, any artist that I respect, I want to work with. And there's a lot of artists that I respect, obviously. Um, bucket list outside of professional. I've never really thought of it, to be honest. I just want, I want to be happy and my family and my children happy. That's it. That's all I care about, man. Making sure that my, my family's good um, and we're all happy. That's all, I, that's all I strive for, to be honest with you. That's sound, man. Um, going forward, like in the short, mid-term, long-term future, uh, what can the public expect from you going forward, like with you and your music? My artists, man, that's all that, that's, that's, um, that's what's important. It's not me, it's them. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm concentrating on, making sure that they pop and that my, my, all the producers and, and musicians under my company, me and my sister's company, um, that's, that's what I care about, making, making sure that they're, they get into the position they deserve to be in. So that's um, that's what to expect from me. And plus I've got some coming out with like a few other people who aren't signed to me, but it is what it is. I'm still working with people obviously. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my main goal, really. That's my main the main thing to look out for. Okay. Um before we sign off, um have you got like socials that like the the listeners can um, follow your music on in your career or like if someone um, if an artist wants to get in contact with you professionally like how would they go about doing that um yeah I've got uh, it's, it's King Tuck K-I-N-G 
T-U-T underscore T-C. Um, yeah, I don't really use other social, like Instagram, Twitter. I don't really use Twitter anymore, but um, Instagram, so that's, that's pretty much the only one I use. I don't really use Facebook and all that shit. Um, yeah, so Kintar underscore T-C. And then um, Pharaoh Management. Is it management? Wait, let me check. I can't remember. It might be ocean coin somewhere. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Uh, what is it? Yeah, Pharaoh.management is that other one. That one is That's got that will have like all the all the releases from our artists and uh, on there here. Okay, Marwan, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on the show Thank today. You, Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No problem, man. We should do this again sometime. Yeah, man. Whatever. All right, take care. Take care, man. That was my interview with Marwan. Thanks once again to Marwan for sitting down with me. Uh, it was a great interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we'll, I'll be back again, same time, same place next week. So keep until then, keep it real, keep it 100. Bless up. Thanks for listening to the SB Show. Come back soon for more cloth talk. Until next time, keep it real, me gente.